0: This is episode 255 of the AWS podcast, released on July
1: 22nd, 2018. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the AWS podcast. Simon Lesha here with you. Great to have you back. And I'm joined by not one, but two very special guests, both from Sydney. I'm joined firstly by Gavin Smith, who's IT manager at LeapDev. Welcome, Gavin. Thanks, Simon. And also by Simon Tabatabian, who is the senior cloud engineer also at LeapDev. Welcome. Thanks Simon. Did I get the surname okay? It was a hard one. It was okay. (laughs) (laughs) I get a pass, I get a pass. So, uh, I've decided to have you on the podcast because you've got a really interesting uh, story to tell about some engineering you've done. However, before we do that, maybe let's start with just uh, explaining to the listeners who who LeapDev is and and what, what LeapDev does.
0: Okay, so um, LeapDev is a, a legal tech firm. We make software for small law, law firms. Typically, typically, our users are sort of from 1 to 25 users, and we make a, a practice management software for, for them based in uh, the Amazon cloud. Yeah, so we, we have a number of different products, mainly in, uh, for customers in Australia, the UK, and the US.
1: That's great. And, and so you, you're, a, a, I guess, a, a global company operating from a, a local base. And I think organizationally you've moved through many generations of technology and really uh, AWS is, is now part of that, I guess, foundation for you to go, go global. Would that be a, a fair, fair assessment?
0: Yeah, totally. Uh, without Amazon, we wouldn't have been able to go to the UK and the US as quickly as we did. You know, it was literally a case of we're going to go to the US and we had our test environment up and running, you know, within a couple of months. We started out on, um, you know, with our, our founder writing the software for his own, his father's law firm many, many years ago. So, although we've got you know, sort of startup vibe in the company, we've actually been around for quite a long time.
1: That's really interesting. It's that, I guess it's that classic case of uh, solve your own problem and then you realize that it's also other people's problems too.
0: Oh, totally, Yeah
1: well speaking of which you know there there are obviously many things that you guys do but um, we want to talk a bit about deployment which is a a common problem people face so maybe uh, let's step back and figure out what was the problem that you were trying to solve that we're going to dive into today
0: the the problem we were having was with our old build process where we had you know a number of servers doing builds Uh, although they were hosted in aws they weren't it wasn't elastic, you know, so we had a limited number of servers. We were limited by the software we were using. If we weren't running a builds, the servers were idle and we were paying for them. When we did have a lot of builds, they'd often queue up and, you know, the devs were waiting. You know, I, I committed my code and the build hasn't happened yet. You know, um, they were wanting to get their code onto the servers as soon as possible. And we also wanted a because we're a global company, we wanted a build pipeline that we could you know, expand and do deployments across all the Amazon regions, you know, well where we've got customers and just be able to infinitely expand the build process so that we could get it done when it needed to be done.
1: So it was that classic thing of you wanted to be able to move as quickly as you needed to when you did. I've heard a lot of people talk about this in terms of things like time to value, you know, how quickly can a change be conceptualized, developed, tested and rolled into production? And it sounds like you were either running into barriers of, of not enough capacity to do that or uh, if you provisioned the capacity, you had too much. So it was a, a cost impediment.
0: Yeah, exactly. And I mean, buying software licenses for servers that we weren't using is you know, a waste of money, but then not having the capacity there when we needed it was a waste of time. So we, we needed- you know.
1: A, yeah, so it's kind of like the worst of both worlds. <laughs>
0: yeah, we needed a solution that was affordable and would also scale to meet our needs when we needed it.
1: Great. So let's let's dive into some detail. How did you how did you technically tackle this problem? What were some of the uh, the architectural patterns you decided to use, and some of the services you took advantage of?
2: Well, probably Sam's the best person to answer that. Over to you. Yeah, as Gavin mentioned, uh, the LeapTap has a big AWS infrastructure, and we really wanted to uh, have an architecture which has can have access to all the delegated accounts from a centralized operations account and also to provide an infinite number of builds uh, in the new architecture uh, so as i uh, had a review on all the aws development services uh, so i found out that uh, the services alone provided deployments uh, in the same accounts. You think, for example, the ECS uh, or the code deploy would only uh, deploy the image for us in the same account. But we wanted something more than that. So I started to engineer the integration of services and come up with an architecture that meets the exact requirements of a centralized access control. And um, the services which I... Uh, I came across with what were the code commit, code build, Lambda, code pipeline, and all were wrapped together by the cloud formation. Uh, the, to tackle uh, the problem of having the access to deploy to all the delegated accounts, I chose Lambda, which provided central access to all child accounts and uh, which is highly parameterized via cloud formation. And uh, an original Lambda function can also be replicated with different parameters to deploy up to a maximum of 10 regions or accounts, which is... uh exactly what we wanted as uh, compared to the conventional method of uh, manually creating a pipeline and each pipeline deploying to a single region or account each time. Uh, But with the new one, with using the Lambda and this feature, we could uh, deploy it to up to 10 regions within the same pipeline. And uh, we could also manage uh, rollbacks and timeouts, like uh, sometimes we could waste a lot of time getting stuck in updating the cluster and after we had to wait of uh, minimum one hour until we, uh, the cloud formation would automatically roll back. And further to Lambda, I also uh, check the code pipeline service, which provides the continuation tokens uh, to keep track of any job execution state, which is one of the most powerful features of code pipeline. And this data will be available within the Lambda when a new job is scheduled to continue the current execution. So that means that uh, in the new pipeline, we could run the Lambda function infinitely using this uh, continuation token until we make sure that uh, the cloud formation update uh, progress would uh, either return uh, success or failure to the uh, cloud formation, and then the consequence of the cloud formation would return to Lambda and Lambda to the Cloud Pipeline service. And all of this were uh, visible and possible to track using the code Pipeline, uh, which tracks deployment status in the other accounts until cloud formation returns either success and failure and hence uh, the deployment status is managed within the pipeline itself so that's a, that's a really interesting
1: way to to tackle it because really what you're you're trying to do is take the pipeline construct and allow it to go multi-region when you want it to do and also to to go multi-account you, you've d- used a really nice and interesting way of tying together the, some of the fundamental capabilities of code pipeline but you've used lambda really as your mechanism to expand that functionality. So did did you know about the parameterization before you started uh, coming up with this or was this something you sort of discovered along the way?
2: Uh, No, I knew that uh, I can highly parameterize Lambda, but the thing that uh, we uh, were to discover was to uh, to tackle the limitations of uh, some of the services itself, like, for example, by the code pipeline, only being able to deploy using the code deploy and the ECS cluster in the same account. But we wanted to uh, to integrate these services uh, to, to distinguish and find out uh, the strong suits of a service and use and uh, and maneuver our architecture on those strong uh, suits to integrate uh, the architecture and the pipeline in a way that would provide us with all the requirements we had to deploy to all the, the delegated accounts from centralized location.
1: So when a, when a developer deploys a, a change and it goes through the the process. How long would you say into end, end it takes from, I guess, the commit point all the way through to being deployed across up to those ten accounts or, or locations?
2: Well, it can take at any time between ten minutes to twenty or thirty minutes. However, uh, the advantage is that we can have now we can have uh, an infinite number of builds, whereas in the past the builds would queue. And also in the new architecture, there's a centralized uh, we have a central logging and execution tracing using the CloudWatch and the X-Ray integration with pipeline and Lambda, where in the past, we uh, would simply trigger the pipeline and had no idea about the return value of the cluster, whether the image was sex- successfully deployed or not. But in, uh, with the new architecture, the code pipeline would uh, keep running the Lambda infinitely and it would return the status back to the pipeline. And then we can get notified of how the pipeline went. And That's interesting because I think you you touched on it earlier as well, which is a a key thing for
1: customers who are deploying frequently is to lower the risk of that by having very effective rollback mechanisms. And I think you mentioned that that you can do rollbacks very effectively. Tell us a little bit about that just to help others understand that process.
2: Sure. uh, as I mentioned, uh, the uh, AWS services could not uh, provide us the, the, uh, the all the requirements uh, alone. And we had to integrate this, the services together and some down the path, I had to use some uh, tricks and workarounds way around to integrate the system together. For example, uh, one of them was uh, putting the uh, rollback timeouts. Whenever the pipeline, To be honest, I couldn't really find an integration between uh, the code build and the Lambda. So I had to uh, store uh, some variables in S3 and whenever the Lambda would run for the first time, it would store uh, the time. Uh, in which the Lambda was triggered, I mean, the deployment was triggered for the first time, and then every time it was uh, recursively triggered by the code pipeline using the previous job ID in the continuation token, I would download uh, that time from the S3 bucket, get uh, the current time, and I would subtract them, and if that would uh, be more than a specific parameter which was passed to the formation template, uh, we normally put that at 15 minutes. Then the Lambda would uh, roll back and cancel uh, the update. Interesting. I guess it gives you far more confidence when you're doing
1: rollouts that you can also roll back as well.
2: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. In, in the previous case, we uh, really couldn't get any information about the, uh, the pipeline uh, st- status, but with the new pipeline, we have control using the Lambda and the code pipeline. We have uh, full control under how the pipeline is actually going. This is not only limited to the uh, rollback timeout, but the, the other main and very important uh, criteria was also to build images with code build using the, uh, the code commit ID. And we needed to find a way to pass this image tag to the Lambda function so that it can deploy and update the cloud formation in the other account using that image tag. And as I mentioned, there's no integration between uh, the code build and the Lambda function which was triggered. So I had to put this inside uh, the S3 again, and then we had control over the image tag by downloading the image, uh, image tag for that specific uh, the branch in that specific code pipeline, uh, pipeline and that way, we could uh, to get the we, we could have different image tags for different branches of the same pipeline, and to integrate it and update the cloud formation in the delegated accounts using those image tags. It's really interesting. And how long would you say it took to build out that that pipeline? Took me. Uh, one and a half months to build everything, but we had to spend much time on testing and to making sure that the pipeline is successful. So I can say that the overall took up to uh, two or two and a half months.
0: The, the way this has been set up, it gives us the flexibility to create new builds for new deployments very, very quickly. Like it's just a, a few minutes work to get a new build pipeline set up, whereas before it would be several hours getting it set up using our old system. And I and I think the, the solution that Sam's created using S3 to store the the state of the, the the build process is actually quite elegant. And you know, using it's a smart way of using uh, the, the Amazon services to together to get the job done
1: for sure. And and actually, Gavin, I was going to come to uh, that that you know that, that change from a business standpoint where your teams can spin up new pipelines very quickly and are no longer constrained by, like you said, those limitations of, uh, of the, the amount of build servers, et cetera, available. How have you seen that manifest itself in terms of the velocity of your teams and their ability to try new ideas?
0: It, it's definitely given us um, more flexibility and um, you know, allowed our, our DevOps teams to respond more quickly to the requests from our developers you know when we we're getting new um services online or we want to try a new um develop a new product and uh try it out it, it's very quick for us to get something into production you know and for them to be able to test against you know really really quickly
1: So it was a worthwhile investment from the perspective of, uh, Seman's time to, to build out the pipeline just to get that, that developer efficiency. But you also mentioned at the start there was a sort of a cost challenge as well, where you were either, uh, over provisioned without using the capacity or or under provisioned when you needed to get stuff done. Obviously, without specifying specific numbers, but from a, I guess, a percentage basis or an order of magnitude perspective, has this solution Dropped that that cost component that was causing you waste.
0: before? Yeah, it's definitely dropped the uh, the cost of our build pipeline. You know, probably about a tenth of the cost of our previous build pipeline. Much more flexible
1: and much quicker. So you've managed to get uh, better, cheaper, and faster altogether. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Normally doesn't happen, but uh, sounds like you've attained it in this case, which is great.
0: Yeah, I mean, and it's you know a smart way of using the services that are there, which you know, is the best way of getting the cost benefits.
1: Yeah, just building upon those those things that are available and just need a little bit of a tweak to get it to what you want. And I guess, uh, you know, Gavin, are, are there any tips you'd want to share with others who are sort of looking at their own development environment and are trying to make it more suitable for what they're trying to do? What, what would your advice to them be?
0: I think my advice would be to try and build on the services that are there, code pipeline, code build, even... You know, like we used S3, there there are definitely ways you can, you know, achieve better scale and lower costs. I think probably the best thing is, you know, try and think out of the box. Don't just do what you've been doing in the past.
1: Yeah, so, so try and reinvent, reinvent the process, not necessarily try and replicate the process. Yeah,
0: exactly. You know, I, we see a lot of people who are, um, they've taken what they did on-premises and they've just put it straight into the cloud without re-engineering to use the services that are there because a lot of the time the effort that amazon have put into the into their products saves us a lot of time you know we we don't want to have to you know install servers install software on things because that's time we could be using to build things that our customers need Mm
1: -hmm. yeah it's uh i haven't mentioned it on the podcast for a while so i probably should it's a great example of getting rid of the undifferentiated heavy lifting so uh, that's uh, a, a great example doing it here where the, the build pipeline, thanks to the work that, that Simon and the team have put together, takes care of itself and uh, your teams are focusing on function and capability.
2: And the most amazing thing about the pipeline is that uh, we can uh, t- uh, put all the parameters together for up to 10 regions. And the pipeline would uh, be built in a few seconds only, uh, like everything, all the lambdas, which uh, would deploy to 10 regions. And uh, with only uh, a few seconds, we'll be having one pipeline and we can start deploying to 10 regions, which is really like uh, amazing. That's fantastic. Uh,
1: Simon, thanks so much for joining me on the podcast today. You're welcome. And Gavin, thank you. And uh, if people want to check out LeapDev, where do they go?
0: Our website is leapdev.io. Yeah, we're always looking for smart people. So uh, that's the place to go. We've got a few jobs up there at the moment.
1: There you go. Sounds like a cool place to be. And uh, Sydney's not a bad city either, if I do say so as a Melbourneian. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, definitely one of the best places to live.
1: <laughs> that's for sure. That's for sure. And thanks, everyone, for listening. We'd love to get your feedback. AWS podcast at amazon.com. And until next time, keep on building.